The biggest thing from Active Healthy Me is about letting people know with disabilities that they actually can. And I think you have to empower yourself as an individual also to yeah. say, this is something that I need to do. You know, a lot of the time we're kind of going to and we're handing it. And when it's not on their radar, it's like asking somebody to give up smoking, perhaps yeah. that, you know, they won't do it until they're ready. And it's similar here. It's that making sure that there's enough information out there for people to know, actually, do you know what? I should be doing it. I know where yeah. to get it now. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing podcast. My name is Noreen Turley and today we're going to discuss how we can help build a more inclusive society where we can help to empower, encourage and support people with disabilities to be more active with whom they want, when they want and where they want. And to discuss this today with me, I am delighted to be joined by Brenda O'Donnell, who is the Interim CEO for Active Disability Ireland, and also Lauren Waters, who currently fills the role of Health and Wellbeing Coordinator in Active Disability Ireland. So this is a new subject area for me, Brenda. So I would love if you could just give me an outline of what Active Disability Ireland does and where it came from and just a little bit of information around it. Thanks for having us. It's a real pleasure to be here today and uh, an opportunity to share who we are as an organisation. We're fresh out of our seminar, so it's great to, to be able to share what we do. But Active Disability Ireland, we only changed our name this year, but I'll go back. In 15 years ago, we formed as an organisation called CARA, CARA Sport Inclusion Ireland. And pretty much the remit of organisation is to create opportunities and choice for people with disabilities to be more active. We work very closely with the national governing bodies of sport, the local sports partnerships, local county councils, local authorities. And we've begun to move into the health, education and community sector. But pretty much it's to create awareness around what people should be doing in order to kind of create those opportunities and choice, but also how to do it. So we have, I suppose, the backbone of the organisation is focused on training and education. And I know we're going to talk about Active Healthy Me today, but our main framework kind of consists of a number of different workshops, including autism and sport, disability inclusion training, inclusive fitness. And this kind of is, is imparting information of what is disability? What does it look like in Ireland? What are the terms? What are the, you know, the perceptions of what people have? And how to actually, if you're a coach, what is it you need to do in order to kind of create your, you know, an inclusive session within your sports club? Or if you're a teacher, what does it look like in the classroom? So I suppose fundamentally, we're based here in Dublin, one of our offices in Sports HQ. So we have access and working very closely with all the national governing bodies of sport and working with them on a journey of inclusion that pretty much look, getting them to look internally at their organizations as to what they're doing. But then getting them to filter that down through the, the organizations, their volunteers, their coaches, their clubs, their participants and their volunteers and getting them to all consider what is it that we are doing? What do we need to do? As an organization, I suppose we're in existence 15 years. Yeah. We have two kind of offices, one based, as I said, in Sports HQ in the National Sports Campus. But we're also based, our headquarters is down in Tralee, based out of the Kerry Sports Academy. And that's where we were founded by Pat Flanagan, who was a former lecturer of mine, but also founder of CARA Sport Inclusion Ireland. From that, we stemmed, predominantly focused working with local sports partnerships and the SIDO program that they have. So each of the local sports partnerships have an individual that's solely focused on disability. And our remit was to make sure that all of the LSPs and the SIDOs were doing the same job. So singing from the same hymn sheet, creating the same awareness, working with coaches, parents and teachers to kind of just get the information out into community. So I suppose for us, it's growing to some degree. We've 
we've just launched a new strategy and a, and a rebrand of our organization. And for that, it meant kind of moving outside of sport, remaining in sport, but still working, looking at other sectors. So like health, community, education. And what is it that people with disabilities are looking at within those sectors? So sport doesn't always come to mind when somebody with a disability is kind of, it's not a priority. But where in their life cycle could it impact? So, you know, if it's early school, in preschool, could an introduction to sport at that stage have a big impact for them when they go to secondary school or, or third level? So we're hoping that through the development of Active Healthy Me and other programs that we run, we're getting to people with a disability at a very early age so that they have the knowledge and awareness of what it feels like, what it looks like, where they can do it and who they can reach in order to get a little bit more information. Okay, so you've got a a big area. There's a big area to cover if you're trying to include all of those partnerships and all of those other organisations and try and, I'm not saying infiltrate them, but try and get them thinking about disability in their policies and in their environments and in their structure, I suppose. We have been in existence for 15 years and slowly beginning to see that change that we work so hard to get. But I suppose the sweet thing, we're a very small organisation, only yeah. having eight staff. And I suppose we're always commended, I suppose, how you, you do a lot. But what we what we do is in collaboration with. And yes. I know the programme that Lauren will talk about is very much a really good example of that. It's collaboration with the HSE. So we're using the resources that are already there. So working closely with the HPNI officers or the health promotion and inclusion officers, working with the local sports partnerships and the SIDOs. So we're creating the information and creating the programme, but getting other organisations to help us filtrate the system. So it doesn't rely solely on us single-handedly rolling and develop, you know, rolling out the program. It's, and, it's yeah. that support. And I suppose, Lauren, then that's a good a good opportunity for us to talk about the program that you're doing with the HSE and you're really leading out on that and trying to promote that throughout the service. So do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, no problem. So Active Healthy Me is a health and wellbeing program that is delivered directly to people with disabilities that attend disability day services all over Ireland. So it was created in partnership with the HSE um, and a Healthy Ireland and I suppose that the reason for it or why it became about was that we have a campaign called I'm In Two in Active Disability Ireland. And um, what that the aim of that is, is to showcase, you know, the impact of physical activity and what it has in the lives of people with disabilities. People with disabilities weren't exactly saying to us that they need a health and well-being program and, you know, that they wanted this kind of covered. But the, the thought process came about for us because the stories are so captivating and inspiring, you know, that there is a massive impact the physical activity that can have. Well, I think that for listeners, if they just go on to your website and they watch any of the videos of the people living with disability or people with disabilities and in that campaign, I'm in two that just captures, if you watch one of those, it captures the impact that being active in is having on people. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. And 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 again, it's not the impact of physical activity is not just for people with disabilities. It is obviously a whole generation um, impact. But as you said, them stories are, are you know, they're quite inspiring. Um, and from that, you know, we were seeing that people with disabilities wanted to take control of their own health and well-being, but that there was just a little bit of a, a gap in, in knowledge or, or, you know, where where can I go to access this information? And that's where the idea of Active Healthy Me came from. Okay. So 
you know, the HSE, obviously they did set out kind of, you know, objectives in their national fiscal activity plan to create resources for people with disabilities around different health and wellbeing topics. Um, so I suppose we just jumped on that, you know, to provide yeah. our assistance. We had the information and we just wanted to work together to create this program. Okay. And how do you do that then? How do you provide the assistance to them? So the program itself, it's an e-learning uh, based program. So there's six modules that consist of topics such as physical activity, healthy eating, um, hydration, goal setting and, and and action planning. And the last one is kind of community inclusion. So that's kind of the basis of the programme. The way that it's delivered then is that we will work with the disability services all over Ireland to create a profile for them. They'll come on and they'll be able to access the information there, but it's actually delivered through the Disability Day Service staff. Oh, very good. Within so you're training the trainer and then they can deliver it to their. So the so the environment is already there. They just have to work it into their environment. Exactly. And as as Brenda said, like it's it's not us and actors with Ireland going out to the services and preaching and, and delivering the program itself. It's coming from the staff within the organisation, which or and even in some cases, the, the services themselves, there has been a peer to peer kind of delivery for some of our services as well. It's just about not only educating obviously the service users in, in the disability organisations, it's also educating the staff at the same time that they feel empowered to pass on this message. Kind of like what's been created, I suppose, in the Make Every Contact Count programme. But again, it, the service users, they're listening to people that they're familiar with and it's not just myself or Brenda or somebody they're, they're not familiar with and this maybe expert kind of person coming in and lecturing them. It's 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 more of an informal delivery. So it's just part of their normal day. And then if they deliver it in the in the day service and they deliver the programme, do they get a certificate or something at the end? They do, yes. Yeah. Um, so both staff and service users will receive some sort of Very I suppose, uh, acknowledgement for yeah. their, their participation. So the first one will be the staff themselves uh, have the opportunity to attend our skills to practice workshops. Um, or as I said, they'll be trained up on all aspects of health and well-being to ensure they're competent in their delivery of active healthy me. They'll receive their certificate uh, to, to say that they're a leader, I suppose, in, in the area of active yeah. healthy me. Then from that, the staff will take that, go into their organisation and deliver this programme within their day service kind of daily routine. And then from that, you know, once the site itself, they complete all the six modules, they'll unlock their their certificate of achievement. Um, oh, excellent. And I so think that in itself, just getting in a certificate and then can they do it again and again? Or is it something that they then just take away with them? Yeah, it's definitely something that we would like to see and that, you know, it's not just a one stop shop and you know that it's a program is complete six weeks and then it's forgotten about we yeah. wanted to be embedded into the culture of the organization that you know physical activity and healthy uh, eating is at the forefront of the activities that they engage in so okay yes at the start they might complete the six modules but we want you know there's an, an array of different resources that they have access to after the program whether it be just you know, completing inclusive physical activity exercises or whether it be kind of, you know, doing different healthy health promotion initiatives throughout their kind of program that we want the users to consistently engage and re-deliver the program. And we're also looking at always adding to the program and adding additional uh, topics, whether it be maybe we'll head into mental health or oral health or di different topics. Yeah. That's excellent. And I thought you had a couple of did you have a couple of examples of the impact that it had on people with disabilities yeah um, after doing the, after doing the program yeah so we actually have a clip from a lady called Susan so Susan is from the Cope Foundation down in Cork and she would have been involved in our pilot program when we when we initially launched and she just has you know some, some some simple feedback of how she found the program as a staff herself and you know the impact that she saw on her service user 
people came away with plenty of knowledge, they can implement that knowledge into their daily routine. They can work away with their water, they can sleep better, physically, physically active, get more mobile, and they're able to refer back to their notes that they might receive every week just to make sure that they're hitting their targets. They can tie in with staff to see how they're doing. The staff can probably see it themselves, and people probably go home and tell them at home what they've been doing at work today, and this is what we need to do at home to make any changes at home if they want to bring to that lifestyle. I heartily recommend this programme to everybody. So you've all heard Susan from the COPE Foundation and the impact that it's the Active Healthy Me has had on her. But Brenda, you wanted to come in there and make a comment? Yeah, I think it was it was just it goes back to the ethos of our other programmes with NGBs is that the culture Lauren referenced, can, you know, trying to build it into the culture of the organisation. The very first step is the service and the service manager signing up to Active Healthy Me. So it's, it's rather than, you know, a staff member coming to us and, and they can to sign up we go directly to the actual head of service or head of the disability service to get a buy-in at that yeah, level. So sure that makes total sense. Yeah, they're buying into the program. Then they nominate staff that either are willing to do it, but then talk to staff to say the benefit of doing it and being part of it. So again, it goes back to that culture that at the very start, it's it's a top-down approach that the service is in. And throughout the program, you know, they, they're asked to set up a notice board. So as the weeks go by, there's information going up on the notice board possibly not just for the service, the, the individuals that are doing the program, but for the, the service themselves. So everybody passing the notice board sees a little bit about the healthy eating. Oh, they did hydration this week or they did about Very good, what yeah. exercise looks like. So again, the culture of development, of, you know, inclusive culture around exercise, it, it should come from the top down. Yeah. And I, and I mean, look, changing any culture does take time. Yeah. But, you know, you're making inroads. And, and when I was preparing for the podcast, I part of me when I was looking at your website and stuff, I was thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe that we're in 2023, nearly 2024. And we don't have this embedded in all those organizations. But it does sound like you're mm -hmm. making a lot of inroads into those. Tell me a little bit about the charter as well, yeah. Brenda, because is you want organizations to sign up to your charter? Yeah. So in 2018, actually, we went out to the sector. So went out directly to people with disabilities, to disability services, to sport organizations, and we just asked the simple question is, what are we doing right? What aren't we doing? What is it? That so this is probably, was this as a build up to your rebranding and to your um, development was, of your organisation? This was part of our previous strategy. Okay. And it was literally just, I suppose, there was probably an element of us always assuming maybe what yes. we should run. And we just wanted to kind of find out what are people with disabilities actually wanting from sport? Because as I said, it, it's possibly not always a priority. So through the, the development of a, an extensive consultation where we spoke to, I think it was over 800 individuals, but we spoke to services across the country. And so that's we, 800 individuals with a disability. With a disability yeah. and, and kind of, you know, parents of okay. as well, but a, a, a mix across organisations. Yeah. And really what they came back with, and I have a document in front of me, so that's why I'm kind of saying in front of us. But what they asked for was five simple things of okay. being open. Consider disability in your organisation, however that may look currently and where it should go look at your people so are they trained are they aware are they understanding of inclusion and if they're not at that stage what does training look like for your employee or for your coaches or for your staff then activities so when you consider running it whether it's a program or whether you're running a new system or you know what does that activity look like is it inclusive for somebody with a disability and it's that consideration of it the other two things were facilities. So, you know, simple things that if you're hosting a meeting, can somebody with a disability get in the door? Can somebody, can they access the information around the meeting? All of those little things, but looking at facilities and where you're hosting and then promotion of. So we found a lot of the time that there was organisations that are 
doing really, really valuable stuff, but actually they're not letting anybody know. So they're local. They're kind of coming to us going, we are doing this, but no one's coming. Or, you know, they're not accessing the pool, even though we have a hoist. But have you told them? And the biggest thing is, you know, we always say picture paints a thousand worlds. You've spoke about the videos that, you know, even just to look at them, you kind of go, oh, Jeannie, you know, they, they hit home. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. And they, they really make it come to life. Yeah. You and know. that we always say it's probably the most important aspect of the charter is if you're doing it, promote it. Let yes. people know exactly what you're doing and how you're doing it and the impact that it's having on yeah. either your club or the the person themselves. So the charter came about, as I said, in 2018, and we just celebrated its five year birthday last Wednesday at our seminar to have 2000 signatures across sporting organizations, organizations within the corporate side, individuals and clubs. So basically what they're doing by signing it is committing to either the consideration that they're going to take it on or embed these five headings in their their organization. So we've developed a, a good number of kind of resources. One being, I suppose, last December, we just launched a club accessible toolkit. And this is basically telling the clubs, you've signed the charter, this is how you live it. And it's it's not an award or it's not in a standard, but it's a guidance resource through ourselves that we'll say, you know, we want you to develop and implement, you know, the five headings, embed them and then sustain them. Okay. And, and what does that, that look like? Is that kind of like the healthy club? Um, or a part of it. It's a part of it. Like part a, of it. GAs is is one sport that have you through the club system usually taken on the development of and signing up to the charter right. and embed and taking the accessible toolkit. But we have, I think, something like sixty something other sport organisations that have taken on the charter and basically embedding this as part of their structure, Very so that good, when they're going yeah. to their coaches, they're saying, "What does inclusion look like for you? Do you have disabilities? First of all, mm-hmm. are you aware of them?" Um, what do you need? You know, is this a simple writing a policy of our statement of intent? Yes. But basically it's a lot of organizations and I'll, I'll name a few to say GEA, Basketball Ireland, Gymnastics Ireland, they've all begun to embed this as part of their club mark systems. Okay. So if clubs are, you know, coming on board, they must sign the charter. So this is good because sometimes, like you said, people are doing it, but they just haven't signed the charter and they're not telling people about yes, it. By signing the charter, people can recognise and the public can recognise, OK, that this is a, a disability, would you say a disability friendly or an inclusive? inclusive yeah, it's, this is the other thing now, we, if we can talk about this, because you said to me that you're pan disability organisation. I have to be honest, I had to Google that because I really did not know what that meant. So it's the terminology that's used. And I'm very conscious of of using the right terminology for this podcast. So just a few questions. But the pan. The pan disability for us is that I suppose we will work with all disabilities. So pan disability basically for us under our remit, we include physical, intellectual, sensory, autism and anything else that falls within the spectrum of any of those. Yeah. So we don't solely focus on just say visual impairments or physical. It's the awareness training and the education that we do encompasses the whole person. The whole person. So you really are a person centred organisation just by the that's what you're really promoting that the person who with the disability has to be at the centre of these surveys and questionnaires and exactly what they need. Yeah. And rather than telling them what they need. Rather than telling them. I think there's a really good quote um, from one of our service users. We we might have a clip from it later, but um, Antoinette is pretty much it's about that choice of not being told what to do. Have, yeah. a, have an opportunity, but being able to being ask the question of what is it that you want to do? And I think that's the biggest thing that we found through our consultation is we need to ask the questions. We need to put the person with a disability to the fore. And I suppose this year coming out of our new strategy, the consultation previous to this in 2022 focused predominantly all on asking people with disabilities what they wanted us as an organization to achieve. 
And there or thereabouts, the name changed yeah. as a result of that consultation that people actually didn't realize who we were when we spoke uh, to them and yeah. what is Cara. And for us, Cara was ingrained in, in who we are. We still call ourselves Caras, but fundamentally it, it meant nothing. It didn't have, it had Sport Inclusion Ireland and it didn't hit home. That, well, that's for disability. I think the name, it's like Active Disability Ireland. And a way you kind of makes you think, well, oh, so people with a disability can be active. Yeah. And it's nearly like, not a contradiction, but it, it's, I just thought it really struck me when I read Active Disability Ireland, really made me think. Yeah, I think it was described at the conference as the Ron Seal of names in that it oh, yeah. does exactly, exactly what, what it, it says, says in the tin. Exactly. So oh, yeah, when brilliant. we did that, and I suppose for us, people with disability came up with the name. They said, just call yourselves this. There Include the word disability in your title. You know, there's, it's not a bad thing. Now, can to, I to ask you about that yeah. then? Do you call somebody with a disability, a person with disability or a disabled person? Because again, I'm not sure about the right terminology. Yeah. How should we or how do people with a disability want to be spoken to or addressed? Or Yeah, and look, there's a few ways, I suppose. We as an organization put person first. So within our training and education, we will always advocate for the person first, the name of a person, you know, that it, it, it's not, don't focus on their disability. So okay. throughout our documents, we will always reference it as a person first approach. Now, recently, the National Disability Authority launched a report on terminology and referenced disabled person or person with a disability. Neither are wrong in how you dress, but for the context of delivering training for us as an organization, rather than going between the two when yeah. you're delivering, we stipulate at the very start to say it's OK to refer yourself as disabled person or if you want to address that, that's OK, too. But for us, it's always important that we're kind of putting the person first. OK, so it's know, person with person disability. disability. Yeah. Um, disabled, just say disabled person predominantly is very usually wide in the UK. It's disabled person. They reference all okay. their policy and documents. So that's probably where there's a continuance within the, the sports sector that but some organizations you know, use. Person both. with disability makes sense as well, because we just did a podcast on obesity and it was we call people now the person living with obesity. So that idea of having the person first, mm -hmm. it does really make sense, yeah. you know. It comes even from the concept that, you know, that that person is not just their disability or they're not just, you know, that condition that they may have. Again, even go back to the terror about being open you know, I, I, and I know what you're saying, you know, you might have that, that fear that you don't know mm. to, whether to say, you know, is it a disabled person or a person with disability? And and a lot of people out there have that fear. And I think it's just a simple thing of just yeah, ask the person. Just ask and not they, be afraid to ask. Yeah. I suppose you're you're worried that you're going to insult somebody and you don't want to reference to the reference them and, and insult them in any way because, you know, yeah, exactly. Even it happens for any anybody in the population, you know, any question that you may ask somebody, you you may cause offence. But again, I think it's just a simple thing that if you do just to apologise. Just apologise and, and, and say sorry. And yeah. that we are human and, and that it's OK, yeah. you know, and it's a learning curve that, yeah. OK, now I know that that person wants to be referred to as a person with disability. Yeah. Um, and do you think attitudes towards the person with disability has changed over the years? I, I think it definitely has changed. Yeah. I think society are a lot more acceptable of people with disabilities. I think they see them now as, as you know, being able, more mm. able-bodied than maybe perhaps um, back in the Yeah, and that ago. is a term that we're hearing much more as able-bodied, you know, which is really good. 
instead of disabled. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, people with disabilities, I know we obviously come from the sports and physical activity kind of background and, and that and that's where we like to see people being active. But, you know, there's people with disabilities now, they're working, you know, they're, they're well able to live a full life. Just because they're disabled doesn't mean, you know, they're, that they're boxed in to do certain things. And Lauren, one of the things, just going back to the active healthy me you said that if somebody with a disability when they started doing the program you had a couple of really good examples of the of what how it made them feel and how they were not used to doing any activity yeah so it was it was not the norm yeah so obviously the, the cohort of people that are the program are being delivered to are mainly individuals with intellectual and and maybe sometimes a physical disability but I suppose the simple thing that I the hit most home to me was that you know when yeah. we started the program and we were asking the service users you know why maybe have you not engaged in physical activity or what are your perceptions of physical activity a lot of them were saying oh well you know when I start to go for a walk or I start to walk and run on the treadmill you know my heart is actually beating really really fast and, and I, I don't like that feeling or I don't understand that feeling yeah and it was th- th- just that powerful thing that we actually grasped that they just had never been taught that you know the, the effects of exercise on your and body it's okay to feel and like it's, that. that it's okay to feel like that yeah. um, so it scared them yes exactly I suppose it's, yeah. it's that, that that lack of knowledge that you know that lack of understanding that okay what is actually happening to my body mm. um, and again that's not just for people with intellectual disabilities or just disabilities in general there is people of the general population that you know if they don't come from a sporting background or a physical activity background they don't understand that you know exercise and, and physical activity is imperative for their health and yeah. it's just about passing on that knowledge and empowering that person to mm. make them healthy decisions. So it's like the you know I think you said earlier Brenda it's like the activity the healthy diet and just because somebody is a person with disability doesn't mean that all these things are important like mm. everybody else. Priorities. It's just to make sure that it's completely ingrained or, or mm-hmm. what's you have the right terminology for it I suppose just inclusive. the culture yeah, inclusive the, and yeah. yeah I think it's the talking about the, the education piece as well I think the biggest thing from Active Healthy Me and we spoke about abilities is about letting people know with disabilities that they actually can and I think we had a, a keynote speaker of Fergus Farrell the last day and basically he, he left the message that you have to empower yourself as an individual also to yeah. say this is something that I need to do. You know, a lot of the time we're kind of going to and we're handing it and people, when it's not on their radar, it's like asking somebody to give up smoking perhaps yeah. that, you know, they won't do it until they're ready. Yeah. And it's similar here. It's that making sure that there's enough information out there for people to know, actually, do you know what? I should be doing it. I know where yeah. to get it now and I know where the opportunities arise. And it's, it is about creating that sense of kind of culture across the program that it should be straightforward enough. It is for us. We can go yeah. on Google. Oh yeah, there's a sports club here or there, or this is happening. It should be the same for people with disabilities and that empowerment within themselves to say, actually, I want to go down on a Friday night to the bowling alley and, you know, play with my friends or be out with, you know, my my group or whatever it is. But it's about that knowledge and knowing where I can do it. And I think that education piece is the other one. The other talking about language as well. When I looked at the videos and it was I'm in two. And then I see Nikki Bradley, who is one of your ambassadors, and she talks about being an adaptive adventurer. Now, I didn't have a clue what an adaptive adventure is. And then I watched her video <laughs> and what she has achieved. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And I know Nikki, probably since that video has been produced. So maybe just explain to the yeah. listeners what she's achieved, what like, she's been doing. Nikki has probably climbed so many more mountains than I even know what their names are. But yeah. I suppose 
um, Nikki was diagnosed with cancer and it affected her leg and has used crutches as part of how, you know, basically getting around her famous pink crutches. Um, so Nikki, I suppose we approached Nikki because of her, I suppose her, just her forward thinking of, you know, it doesn't matter that I have a disability. I can still climb the mountains. She brings the lipstick to the top of the mountain and puts it yeah. on when she gets there, you know, and it's, it's that sense of achievement. She says it shouldn't stop me. Mm. basically doing what I want well, to do. Well, it obviously isn't hasn't, stopping her doing anything. It hasn't stopped her. Since that video, she's actually had a, a number of operations to remove her leg and have a, a rotation blasty, I think it's called, where her, her knee has become her hip and her foot okay. is now her knee and she has new prosthetics. But it's a, a new lease of life for her to, she's, she did the mini marathon there the, earlier this year. So it's that sense of, it doesn't matter that I have a disability, I can still be active in my yeah. own way. And it, I don't have to be the, the fastest, the slowest, if I can do it, that's a sense of achievement, you know, and it, it's about doing the activity. So Nikki's very inspirational to us. She was at our last conference as well. And she's a huge ambassador for the organization, sharing that message of just get out there, try it. Yeah. It mightn't work. Try something else. Try a new piece of equipment, but adapt and change your environment or change your circumstances in order to be able to do it. So and it's a sense of kids, empowerment. For kids, for children with disabilities to see somebody like yeah. that and she's young and glamorous and everything. And then just talking about young people, I suppose, if we just there was a new survey just in December there, wasn't there? Yeah, I'm going to throw this over to Lauren because yeah. she has all okay, the stats. Uh, okay, Lauren, the, the she's the staff woman. <laughs> she's the stats. Okay. We don't need to give too many stats, but just <laughs> no, but I think still, yeah. it's eye opening, really. Yeah. Um, so I suppose just to give you a little bit of background of where this actually came from. So as Brenda said, we lead a lot of kind of consultations for people with disabilities. Obviously, the last one we would have done would have been around our strategy. So I suppose we identified a gap of knowledge around kind of youth participation in sport. Obviously, they have a little bit more of a unique perspective, maybe with adults, because they have an opportunity to engage in PE in school that yeah. adults don't have. So I suppose you would like to think that because kids have that opportunity to be physically active in school, that they should be more active. And, and that's not necessarily the case. Okay. So, But it's a good starting point for yeah. this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's already there. It's embedded in their in their school program. So they should be able to engage with it. So uh, Rob, who is our insights manager in Active Disability Ireland, he went out through this consultation period to engage with youths kind of from the age of 10 to 17. And just just to ask them a simple question of, you know, do you engage in sport? Uh, do you engage in physical activity? You know, what are your perceptions? Have there been any barriers? And I suppose this is where the, the stats, the stats, the come stats in. came in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so some of them are, are a, a little bit frightening, I would say. They are definitely kind of, you know, them the, the clickbait or, you know, the, the headline grabbers that we call, but they are important definitely to, you know, to, to get across. So the first one would be that, you know, that well, I suppose this one's a positive one that, you know, 70% of people, children with disabilities, they enjoy participating in the sport and physical activity. So, you know, they want to get involved and they like it. So that's good. You know, yeah. you know, we're not not trying to drag them into, into the sport. But I suppose the one I said that is frightening is that only 27.4% find it easy to take part in physical activity in their school or, you oh. know, outside of school. So that is a low number. You know, it's, it's less. That's than, pretty heartbreaking, really. It's less than a third. So less than a third can actually participate. And if they're not able to participate, then they probably take a step back and just don't bother. Exactly. And and, and again, you know, it, it starts from, you know, that perception of being quite young, that they're not able to, or then, you know, they, they mm. don't belong in this space. And, and that shouldn't be the case, you know. So even some of the consultation that came back from, from the youth athletes and, and the youth participants was that, you know, they felt like that their choice mm. to engage was actually being taken away from them. So it might not necessarily have been them not wanting to. It was their their coach or their teacher yeah. that was saying, oh, 
a fear you know a fear yeah. that they go that i don't know what to do you know i'm afraid to cause any injury or i'm afraid to, yeah. you know to take that step and and that ultimately affected the the children you know that the, they were going to go and, okay well i have to sit out of this fee um God. when it could have been a simple thing of you know that the, the the activity that they were doing they just needed to adapt it I know. Very slightly. And Brenda, what can we do about that? Or what? It, this is part of what you're doing, I suppose, really, isn't it? Is yeah. the profile. So the consultation, I suppose, um, hopefully we'll have the full report launched just before Christmas. But for that, we formed a forum. So representatives that actually took part in the consultation over the last few months now have formed an actual youth forum. And pretty much like as Lauren says, and we've said it throughout the podcast, is that programs that we're developing, we'll use that youth form as a consultation basis oh, to go back great. to them to say, yeah. is this going in the right direction? It does it look, po- you know, is it something that you would participate in? And or? again, is the youth form something new? Yes, it's, it's never been there. Before. It's never been there before. So I suppose there is a remit coming that will come down across yeah. sport organisations over the next few years from Sport Ireland to direct organisations that now we need to start consultating with our young individuals. And I suppose we, we'd like to think that we're off the mark with that mm. insofar as that anything that we do from now on in that will have that consultation piece with young people asking them what their advice is this something that you feel that you would like to do or are we off the mark altogether yeah so I think it's for organizations to consider that I suppose whatever age profile they're directing their programs at but what does it look like fundamentally for people coming up from a, a young age will they be able to access these programs in years to come like I suppose the honesty and the truth that has come out of the consultations that we've done can be heartbreaking reading those stats but fundamentally it gives us the body of what we want to actually you know run with over the next five years to say improve on on what we're doing because you know we're always learning as an organization and that's why we collaborate with so many other organizations to say okay this is the space we know but how can we impart that information across individuals that are coming out of the rehabilitation hospital or that they're they have a physio session every week, but could that physio session be on a football pitch? You know, could their yeah. exercises be outside of their medic room, you know? And across education, I suppose we are trying to get into that sector and hopefully um, we have a research piece coming up next year where we're cons- going to consult with teachers working in this space. What does it look like for them? Is it a fear? Basically all those questions to ascertain what does the sector need in order to be able to kind of infiltrate young people into the system yeah. that have disabilities that are actually it's going to be part and parcel of them doing physical activity. So it, and hopefully then it would increase that number of did you say 29 percent it get them up so that more of them more people with disability can get involved yeah, in sports exactly. at school or at the PE and started off early. Yeah exactly because uh, what we're actually seeing even at the minute is so the Sport Ireland have a, a, a monitor called the Irish Sport Monitor. And the data from 2022 would have been just released there kind of mid-year. And at the minute, what they're seeing is the amount of people with disabilities engaging in regular sport is 20% lower than people without disabilities. And that's actually the widest it's ever been since they've started the sports monitor. So that is adults at adult level at the minute. So what you would like to see is that if you're getting the the youths involved and, and, and encouraging them to be more active, that like that when they get into adult level that that disability gap as we call it will be very very rich and like then they, they won't have that fear of their heart racing they'll know what it's like exactly. they'll know what it feels like it'll be part of hopefully part of their daily routine or 
weekly routine or whatever. I mean, I think that you've it's done an awful lot in, in 2023. So what does 2024 look like for you? I know that every year you have your Active Disability Service Awards and that's a big campaign. And I'm in too is your other big campaign. But you have set yourselves very high goals. We do. I suppose we have a really good strategy that we, I suppose it's it's on everybody's desk. Uh, we've, we use it as a, a Bible and a resource. And I suppose our seminar just gone as well. The theme of our seminar was the first theme of our strategy as well. And next year it will follow through. So our five se- seminars for the next five years will be focused solely on. Did we mention the theme of your, of your uh, so seminar this year? Creating, yeah, yeah. The theme was creating opportunities and choice, but the hashtag was small changes for big impact. So basically yeah. we were really just to try to impart people leaving the seminar to say what one small change for you within, whether it's yourself or your organization, what one small change do you feel would make a big impact for somebody else? Yeah. And our closing speaker, uh, Paddy O'Callaghan, he left that message with the audience saying, think of the one change that will have a big impact for me. You know, mm. what What will that look like? And I think created that sense of bringing it back to the person, the yeah. responsibility to say, I can do something. If I can do one small thing and it'll have an impact for somebody. Well, that mm. was what we wanted to kind of impart with people, that it doesn't, mm. okay, there's investment that's needed sometimes in relation to building and facilities and promotion. But, you know, a simple change of your font on a promotional document or putting an image on a flyer that goes out for summer camps during the, you know, the the high season, it tells somebody straight away that they have that, oh God, my, my child can be included yeah. in that. So it's the consideration of what small thing, how do I reference somebody, you know? So there was loads of insights that pretty much we had a Slido going all day that people were putting up the one small change that they were going to do. Um, and we're going to issue those again next week, just before Christmas to show okay. all of those changes that people have committed to making now as a result of being at the conference. So yeah. we're hoping that I suppose next year um, profiling, increasing our profile and visibility is our theme for next year's conference. We're going to take a few weeks off before starting organising well, yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> but across the strategy in general, I think it's it's the growth of that embodiment with people with disabilities of getting them to actually tell us what they want to do. But also increasing the growth across Active Healthy Me program for us is that eventually by the end of the five years, we want all 1200 services across Ireland to be actively engaged at some part of the program, but be accessing the platform, accessing the program and then helping us develop resources that they feel is necessary within the sector as well. We see growth within the education as well that we want to get into that through the consultation next year that we hope that we'll have some body that say actually we need to do this with teachers we need, there's a training yeah. element that's requested or you know resources that are needed for the sector so it's it's working across all the sectors to see what is it that they're looking for and where along the life cycle of somebody with a disability can we kind of get in there to impart that information that yeah you know you can be active it doesn't matter about your disability. It's about what you're able to do. Yeah. And, you know, I know that the HSE's team is working with the University of Limerick to update the National Physical Activity Guidelines. And this will specifically include people with disabilities. So it is about getting it into policies yes. and making it part and making people see it written down that this is what they have to do, you know. Yeah. And Lauren, if there was somebody listening at home now or wants to get involved, you've got so many different areas that you people can get involved. I guess people can approach you individually. They can sign up to the charter. They can do the training. So where do they get all this information? 
I think the best option to go to would, would be our website. Um, we do pride ourselves on our website and it's quite accessible and it's, it's easy to follow, um, which is activedisabilityireland.ie. All of the information about our programs, how to sign the charter is all there for you to follow and, and to get access to. And then I'm into videos are also there. To yeah. And it, it's it's very user friendly. You've got all the accessibility tabs for yeah. everybody who anybody with a disability really will be able to use that. Yeah, we're um, we're continuing the growth and success of that website as well. It is accessible at the moment, but we're working with the IA Labs um, who are an organization that pretty much work on the development and making sure websites across the country are fully EU um, compliant with legislation around accessibility. And we're, we've a, a really good relationship with them in that they've, you know, audited our website and told us exactly what it is that we need to do as an organization to make sure that it's accessible to everybody. And we've done a lot, but we still have a little bit more to do. But it's about taking those first steps and making the small changes that for somebody with a vision impairment or a hearing impairment or whatever it is, that they can access the information that they need in order to, to get out there. Thank you very much for joining us today. And as always, we ask that please share this episode with a colleague or friend that you think would benefit from it. I know that Active Disability Ireland have the person with disability at the centre of everything that they do. So I think it's important that we play this clip that Brenda mentioned earlier from Antoinette. And in it, Antoinette explains the impact that being active has had on her life. Thank you for listening. I've never let barriers block me from doing sports. Never. Like, I take my sports seriously. You know, if I want to get to where I am, I work hard. And it won't be a barrier. Sometimes in life, we, or people with disabilities, don't get to choose what they want because of what disability they have. But I would say to a person with a disability is try your best. Like you don't have to be perfect. No one is perfect.